I've been in a sermon series called The Advantage, and this is the fourth sermon, and I thank God for what we've gone over thus far. The first week we talked about just uh, the ability to hear from God, that the advantage in life as a Christian is knowing you can hear God's voice. And when we can hear God's voice, it just gives us an up in life. You don't have to walk around aimlessly. You don't have to walk around directionlessly. That's a word. You don't have to walk around uh, in the dark. You're now in the light, and God is leading you, and all we have to do is tune into his voice. Amen? Second week, then, I talked about the inward witness that God has given us inside. That is one of the most powerful ways God leads us. Years ago, Kenneth Hagin said it's the primary way God leads us is by the inward witness of the Spirit. And now, uh, then Mike Henley, wow, praise God for Mike last week uh, preaching the word to us. He did an amazing job. And Mike talked about the believer's authority and the authority we have to walk uh, and hear God's voice. So today I want to come and just talk about being led of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about being led by the inward witness, uh, which is the Holy Spirit within us, bearing witness with our spirit. But today I'm talking about particularly what the Spirit brings into our lives, okay? So uh, let me just, uh, before we get into this passage, let me just give you a little bit of my theology here. I believe when you're born again, the Spirit of the Lord comes into your heart. Because unless you have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His, the Bible says. So I believe the Spirit of the Lord comes in and does the work of regeneration. He comes into your heart crying, Abba, Father. He brings you into the family through adoption. And now you're made a full member of His family. However, there's more to the Holy Spirit. There's uh, what we, we call the baptism in the Spirit. I believe there's a, a greater depth, a greater level you can go through. There's a release of the Spirit. It's been described many different ways. New Testament and Acts calls it a falling upon, coming upon, baptizing in. Charismatic renewal called it an, basically an explosion within. But whatever, however, as long as we get there. Amen? As long as I, if you're using Google Maps or using Apple Maps, or you're using McNally and Rand, or whatever that thing is. If it gets you there, we're just getting to the point of being full of the Spirit and overfilled with the Spirit. Amen? And so when the Spirit is living within us, then He brings all of these gifts, and like a megaton of gifts and resources into our lives. And one thing He brings to us is that divine GPS, that ability to lead us and guide us. Amen? So let's begin with Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand my watch. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see, which is an interesting Hebraism, and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tables that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Can we say amen? amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you can be led by the Spirit of God. Look at another neighbor and say, you can be led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Now, turn to the New Testament. I'm going to show you another example here. New Testament, chapter, chapter 16 of Acts. Chapter 16 of the book of Acts. 
And this is so cool. Verse 6, now when they had gone through Phrygia to the region of Galatia, they were, now this is Paul and his traveling companions, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Why were they forbidden? Well, we don't know. But we, we do know that it was urgent that Paul get to Macedonia, as we're going to see. So maybe part of the Holy Spirit's restrictions on Paul not to preach in Asia here at this time was so he could hurry up and get to Macedonia. Some have suggested that maybe because Peter was already in that area preaching, but I don't much buy that. I think it's more of an urgency that was getting ready to be revealed to Paul in the next verses. And it says, and after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, or Troas, and a, and, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. So, so notice what's happening here. In verse 6, they're forbidden by the Holy Spirit. In verse 7, the Spirit's not permitting them. And then in verse 9, Paul is being given an open vision or a night vision. So I don't know if that's a dream or it's a, literally a vision in the night. And the vision, he sees a man of Macedonia who stands with him and pleading with him says, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel there. What happens is he goes over into Macedonia, which is Philippi, which is ancient Greece. It becomes the first church planted in the, on the European continent. And it was an urgency of the Spirit. So he receives a word from the Spirit. He receives a warning from the Spirit. And he receives a vision in the night. I wanted just you to see just briefly how God was leading just the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. Were these words he was getting from prophets traveling with him? Possibly. Was it an inward witness in Paul leading him? Possibly. We know the night vision is explained, but the others we don't really know. All we know is the Spirit is leading him. Can you say amen? Now notice this. In Acts chapter 13, when Paul is called into missionary work, the Bible says in Acts 13 too, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Now the Holy Spirit said, how did the Holy Spirit speak? Probably through a prophetic word. Probably through a prophetic word. Then if you notice even back further in Acts chapter 9 and in verse 3, the Bible says Saul drew near to Damascus on his journey and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him. Now here Jesus literally appears to him. In an open vision, literally appears to him. Notice in Acts chapter 18, verse 9. After the Jews had rejected Paul's ministry in Corinth, he goes to the home of a man named Justice who lived next door to the synagogue and started ministering, and the Lord speaks to him. The Bible says, And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I'm with you and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he settled there for a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. 
Acts chapter 22, verse 17, when Paul is in Jerusalem, he's recounting a testimony. And he says, later, when I'd returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem quickly because the people here will not accept your testimony of me. So here Paul is falling into a trance, some sort of extended vision where the Lord has given him specific instruction by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Paul's in Jerusalem the night before being arrested, and the following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so also you must testify in Rome. So here now, the Lord is standing by him in this critical hour. And then finally in Acts chapter 27, when he's on a ship in the midst of the storm, that night Paul stands up and says, do not be afraid. Uh, he said, there was, a, there was an angel of God who stood beside me and said, do not be afraid. You must stand before Caesar. God has granted all those who are sailing with you. Now, why did I read all these accounts? Because I wanted you to see just in a few passages how the Holy Spirit is leading Paul in his ministry through trances, through night visions, through words spoken, evidently through prophetic words, and then the Lord appearing several times to him in a vision form. Why? Because when the Spirit comes, he comes to bring revelation. When the Spirit comes... He comes to bring revelation, he comes to bring prophetic revelation, and he comes to bring insight. I'm going to say it for the third time. When the Spirit comes, he comes to bring revelation. Why am I saying this? Because if you read through Protestant evangelical theology, and we talk about the Holy Spirit in pneumatology, we usually talk about him being the third person of the Trinity, or somehow how he works in the procession of the deity, or somehow how he sits and it's, he's proven to be God in Scripture. And very little bandwidth is given to the Holy Spirit coming for revelation. I worked under a scholar years ago as his assistant. He did a study of 300, the 384 contexts in which the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible. 384 times there are separate contexts mentioning the Spirit of the Lord in the Bible. Out of all 384, he concluded 85% of those mentions deal with Revelation. Now, I'm not talking the book of Revelation. I'm talking about insight, prophetic revelation. Okay, are you all hearing me? 85% of those contexts deal with Revelation knowledge and or miracles. 85% of the Holy Spirit context in the Bible deal with revelation and or miracles. And of the, the remaining 15, some of the contexts weren't completely clear and they could be categorized and lumped over in the revelation and miracle working context. So if the Holy Spirit has come to bring revelation and miracles and wonders, the Spirit is the same yesterday as it is today, God is God, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Holy Spirit is the same. And since He is the same, I'm going to just conclude He's still giving revelation, prophetic insight, 
and he's giving miracles to his people today. The issue with the Western world is we were affected by the Enlightenment. And it's, it's, it's weird that it's called the Enlightenment because it was basically a philosophical awakening. And what happened after the Enlightenment is there became a distrust of experience or a distrust of emotion. And we pushed everything into the category of science and rational thinking. And so now in the Western world, it's hard for some people to get their mind around revelation and prophetic insight because we're so, so caught up in trying to figure everything out with our rational minds. And God has given us rational minds and thought and thinking processes, but they were affected by the fall of man. That's why our minds have to be renewed in the things of God. If you notice Romans chapter, I'm, I'm, I'm unloading the whole Mack truck on you today, okay? Romans chapter 1 verse 21 says, Because they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. He's talking about the digression of man into a deplorable or reprobate state, Paul calls it. And part of that digression down the stair step of sin is that mankind's rational thinking became darkened. And it was really, if you study continental European philosophy, it's interesting what happens after the Enlightenment is we eventually get to the point of uh, existentialism or even nihilism because they, saw, they thought they could conquer everything and solve everything through science. And then we figured out, okay, science is great, but yet men can also create nuclear weapons through science. They can also create gases that kill people in World War I. They can also create bombs that absolutely obliterate Europe during World War II. And it caused a lot of people to come to the point where they realized, we're in trouble here. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. The Bible says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise and where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God that through the foolishness of the message of preach to save those who believe. Why? Because he says in chapter 2 that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But what does Paul say? Later on in the book, in verse chapter 14, verse 31, he says, For you all prophesy, though, that all may learn and be encouraged. Okay, he's saying even though the rational mind is darkened, in, you know, once you're born again, God starts renewing your mind, but he gives you the fullness of the Spirit, so now you can move in revelation knowledge. Now you can have insight. Now you can have prophetic insight 
to what he's doing in life and what he's going to do in the future. So the whole central theme of the Bible then becomes hearing the voice of God and obeying it. Adam and Eve heard his voice directly. They disobeyed it. Abraham hears his voice and obeys it. Moses hears his voice and obeys it. Noah hears his voice and obeys it. Joshua hears his voice and obeys it. Gideon hears his voice and obeys it. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah hear his voice and obey it. Jesus hears the voice from heaven and obeys it. The apostles hear his voice and obey it. Now he's calling to us, will you hear his voice and will you obey him? Oh, hallelujah. Okay, let's, let's dig down. We got a, a long way to go and a short time to get there. So now we have a new covenant. Now we have a new covenant. There was an old covenant. Now there is a new covenant. And let's read about the new covenant in the old covenant. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah begins talking about what the new covenant will be. Because he's living under the old covenant. He says this in Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So now the covenant is not just going to be on tablets of stone, but now God's going to come and inscribe his covenant in our hearts and on our minds. No man, or no more rather, shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Now we're coming to a new epistemology, a new way of knowing. Now it's not just by scribes teaching law. It's now by Holy Spirit giving revelation. That was the, re that was the word right there. Y'all missed it, so I'm going to back back up and rewind the tape. Now no longer is it just scribes teaching a book, but now it's Holy Spirit coming in the hearts of every believer and teaching every believer to hear the voice of God and to move in revelation knowledge of the Lord. Don't you believe in the Bible, Brother Hans? Uh, yes, I do. Don't you, don't you believe that if we get all this revelation, we're going to get out way out from the bounds of Scripture? No, we're going to stay in the bounds of Scripture. We know we're not dummies. We know enough to know if somebody's prophesying something out, out of line with the word, we just set it aside and we just wipe it away. We don't accept it. We know that revelation comes now within the borders of Scripture. But nonetheless, Scripture is telling us, receive the revelation knowledge of God, flow in the prophetic gift of God. Then he comes to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and Paul talks about the new covenant. I told you all I got the whole Mack truck I'm unloading, okay? 
Verse 4, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, for our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And if by the ministry of death written engraved on stones, it was glorious. The old, the old covenant was glorious. He's saying, but how much more will the ministry of the Spirit be more glorious? Verse, seven, verse 15. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all now with unveiled face, beholding as the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Spirit of the Lord. So Paul's talking about the Jewish people, that they're reading the Old Covenant, which was glorious. But they're reading it with a veil because they haven't seen Jesus as their Messiah. But when they see Jesus as their Messiah, the veil is taken off, and now they see it as it really is, and now it just brings more glory. So the new covenant is all about the reception of the Spirit so that we may have an intimate relationship with God, so that we may hear His voice, so that we may wake up every morning and know that we can talk to Him and He can talk to us, that we can intercede and He can respond to us, that He can move on our behalves. We have a living God. We don't have a dead statue we're worshiping. We don't have just codices or a law that we're obeying. We have a living, breathing, moving, powerful, relational God that we're in covenant with. Hallelujah. That's why we can say, and I felt the Lord dealing with me the other day. Or I felt the Lord saying, I was reading and it just, this scripture leapt off the page. Or I was praying about something and I felt this. Or the Lord gave me a word. I love all that. I love all that. Why? Because that's who we are. We're a prophetic people. We're people of the new covenant. We're people whom God speaks to. He doesn't just speak to the preacher or to the bishop or just speaks to the missionary. No, God speaks to you. He speaks to all of us. Hallelujah. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all are amening, but that's all right. Peter, one more thing, and then we're getting to some takeaways, okay? Peter in Acts chapter 2 stands up on the day of Pentecost, and he quotes Isaiah chapter 59, where Isaiah talks about the new covenant. And Peter says this, Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So forgiveness and salvation lays the groundwork for God unloading the gift of the Spirit on your life, which is really what it's all about. We've made salvation only about forgiveness of sins and going to heaven, and we thank God for that. But salvation builds upon that the work of the Spirit so that you may go and change this world that you live in. So that you may be a change agent in this world, moving and breathing, living with the living God, moving in the gifts of the Spirit, operating in the fullness of revelation. For the promises to you, 
and to your children and to your children's children and as many as are far off and as to many as the Lord your God will call. Why? Because this was the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was a celebration of the giving of the covenant in the Old Testament and he says now I've given you a new covenant and it's the covenant of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And now revelation is opened up. And now revelation is opened up. And Joel talked about the new covenant. He said, I will pour out my spirit in those days and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days and upon my handmaidens. I will pour out of my spirit in those days. When are those days? They're right now. Hallelujah. Those days started 2,000 years ago. We're still in the last days. That began 2,000 years ago. And it's the age of the Spirit. It's the new covenant of the coming of the Holy Spirit. So now what, what is God doing? He's speaking to us through the inner witness. He's speaking to us by illuminating his word. He's speaking to us through our conscience. He's speaking to us through prophetic gifts. He's speaking to us through signs and wonders. He's speaking to us through visions like some of us had this morning. He's speaking to us through dreams. He's speaking to us by angelic visitations. He's speaking to us by impressions and images placed upon our hearts. He's speaking to us by words dropped in by the Holy Spirit. I'm open to all of it and I say bring it on Lord. Come, now let's go back as an inclusio, back to the beginning, Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk gives us some instructions, and I want to lay these out for you in three simple steps. Number one, Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch. Number one, if you want to be led of the Spirit of God, you have to expect that God's going to speak to you. I will stand my watch. You have to expect that God's going to speak to you. Number one, you come on, say it with me. I will expect God to speak to me. I'm going to get up in the morning, say, Lord, it's another day that you, I can hear your voice and you can speak to me. I'm going to go to bed at night and say, Lord, I'm your servant and I listen tonight. Speak to me in dreams and night visions. Hallelujah. As I approach every major decision, I'm going to say, Lord, this is your deal. I'm your servant. You tell me what to do. I'm going to obey your voice as best as I know how. We're going to expect to hear from the Lord. Why? I'm a New Testament, New Covenant guy who's been given the gift of the Spirit and I have divine GPS living on the inside. Elevate your faith. Get your expectancy up. Believe that God's going to talk to you. Someone in the crowd recently told me, they said, I never dreamed before. But after you talked about dreams, I went home and prayed, Lord, give me dreams. And they started having dreams. And I'm not just talking about Pizza Hut dreams. I'm talking about God-given dreams, revelation by dreams. Can somebody shout amen? amen? Come on, say, expect God to speak. Number two, I'm going to look for vision. He says, I'm going to stand my watch, set myself on the rampart, and watch to see what he will say to me. I'm going to start looking for pictures that God gives me. I know this sounds out there for some of you, but I'm telling you, God speaks to your spirit, and when he does, it comes sometimes as mental images. 
I could stand here and give many examples of this, but God will give you mental images and, so, and you just got to learn through trial and error whether those are you or those are really of the Holy Spirit. So I've had many instances of ministering to people and I'd be praying for somebody and a mental image would be dropped in and I would think, okay, Lord. I was, I was ministering in, the, in uh, uh, central Virginia and we were in like a basketball, uh, like a wreck area where this church was having church. And I gave an altar call, and I'd been praying. I've been that, that, that year I was preaching a lot of revivals. Alex traveled with me some, and I started praying, Lord, give me images, give me names. Give me, just pour it out on me, Lord. So I remember we were in a very small church in central Virginia, and Alex was with me, and I was walking up and down the aisle ministering to all 15 in the building. And I kept coming by a certain person, and I heard the name Jimmy. And I walked by again, and I just heard the name Jimmy, not audibly. It was just one of those thoughts dropped in. And I thought, am I going to obey this, or am I just going to put it aside as this is just Hans? So finally, I just stopped and looked at these two ladies. I said, who is Jimmy? The Lord wants you to know he's coming out. And this lady goes berserk. She says, that's my son, and he's in jail. And it just was a small word of knowledge that opened up her heart to receive what God wanted to do in her heart. Back to the auditorium in central Virginia. I give an altar call, and a large altar call happens. And when it happens, I see a mental image dropped in. And I see a metal rod in someone's right leg. And, and I'm not getting this because I'm looking around for things. And I just... I decide, I don't know who you are, but I see someone in their right leg has a metal rod from surgery, and God's going to move on you right now. A lady starts going berserk on the left side of the stage, and it was her, and she started receiving from the Lord. Now, these are just very small things, but I've seen this happen over and over and over, not just in ministry, but it happens when I pray for people. I believe it happens when I walk through the stores sometimes. I just start seeing things sometimes, and all I know is the more you do it, the greater it becomes. And the more you yield to it, the more it can grow in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of y'all raising some rebellious kids, you need to get in the Holy Ghost and start seeing Some of you got some problems on your workplace. You need to get in the Holy Ghost and start seeing. I have a friend. He said he went out one night and his dad was so troubled that he was going out that he went out and his dad knelt and prayed and didn't get up until he got back from the night. And he walked in and he said his dad walked in and told him everything he had done. He's like, my word, how did you know that? And he said, because I've been interceding for you ever since you walked out this door and the Lord showed me everything you were doing. Come on, somebody say, I will look for vision. Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. 2 Samuel chapter 7. According to all these words and according to all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So when Nathan went and confronted David, it was based just not upon spontaneous prophetic word. It was based upon vision he had been getting as download. 
Because all, you know, I'm Pentecostal to the bone, grew, you know, came out of it. And a lot of us think in a Pentecostal church, prophetic only happens spontaneously. But the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Pagan prophecy happens in ecstatic trances. But God gives us prophetic word that we can hold until the appropriate time. Because the spirit of the prophet is subject unto the prophet. And so God can download. I know prophetic people that really walk in the office, I think, and God starts giving them download. And that can happen for weeks or months, and then it has to come out. Isaiah 1.1, the vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He's seeing this thing. Ezekiel chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, that I was among the captives by the river Kabar, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. And we think these things have been locked in history, that only the prophets of Israel could see vision, or only the apostles of Jesus could see vision. But you know what? Peter said it's going to be to you and to your children and to your children's children. We're going to all in the new covenant have open door access to revelation, knowledge, and prophetic insight. Somebody say, I will look and see what he says to me. And finally, we listen for words. God gives you words as dropped in thoughts. As dropped in thoughts. God gives you words that sound like thoughts. They're dropped in. I think sometimes the enemy can drop words in your mind. That's why you need to start learning to discern what thoughts are really of God and what thoughts are of me and what thoughts are of the enemy. But if they're dropped in thoughts, it's usually coming from an outside source. 1 Kings chapter 19. After there were the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still, small voice that spoke to him. Exodus chapter 20, specific direction. God spoke all these words to Israel. Noah and his sons, God spoke to Noah. David, in 1 Samuel 23, the Lord said to David. Isaiah, in 2 Kings 20, the word of the Lord came to him. Jonah, in Jonah 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Hosea 1, the Lord began to speak by Hosea. So not only are they seeing, they're also hearing the word of the Lord. We can be still and expect God to speak to us. We can start seeing what he says and start listening for what we hear him say. Amen. Often I've been in prayer. Often I've been with people and I'll say, you just test this, but here's what I'm hearing. You test it, but here's what I'm hearing. I'm cautious to say, thus says the Lord. I'm not saying it's not appropriate, but when I say, thus says the Lord, it puts you out of the game of judging what I say to you. And I think you should judge what I say to you. Because my words aren't going to be perfect all the time. Not all the time. So we need to judge what others tell us. Even the greatest people. Amen? It's like H. Richard Hall who was one of our mentors in the Lord. A lady came up to him and said, The Lord says Brother Hall is going to go to Africa. He said, lady, you must have heard Paul because it ain't Hall. 
because I ain't going to Africa. Some people, you know, marry Joe. How about you marry Joe? I'm going to hear for myself who to marry. So we judge what people say to us. But I appreciate everybody. And I'm telling you what, sometimes people can come to you that you least expect and give you a word that is straight from heaven's throne. Sometimes it'll come from people you least expect. You'd be like, my word, I didn't even know they were saved, but they nailed it, man. Come on, say, I'm going to expect, I'm going to look, and I'm going to listen. Come on, I'm going to expect, I'm going to look, and I'm going to listen. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad we live in the new covenant? Aren't you glad we're in the age of the Spirit? Aren't you glad God is speaking to us? Hallelujah. And I really believe, you know, that it's kind of like a radio receiver that if we have to be tuned into the station, I believe we can get on his frequency. I believe we get on his frequency. Hallelujah. And we can hear the voice of the Lord. Expect, look, and listen. Expect, look, and listen. I'm going to say this and we're going to close. To expect requires slowing down sometimes. One man said, man, I really hear the Lord when I go jogging. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, because that's the only time you shut up. <laughs> you talk the rest of the day. Some people say the Lord really speaks to me in the shower. It's the only time you're quiet. You got to get quiet and hear his voice because I believe he really wants to speak to us. And let me just help the Pentecostals in the room. I'm into shaking, falling out, running, jumping, rolling, dancing, walking the pews. I've done all those. I'm into running around the building, running up down the highway. I'm into seeing oil poured out, gold dust in the air, seen all that. I'm into all that. But here's one thing I'm learning the younger I get. And that is that God speaks to me just like a friend. Just like I'm talking to you, God will speak to me. And he speaks to me in ways I can understand. He speaks to me in ways I understand. H. Richard Hall, again, I don't know why I'm thinking of him this morning. He was in a meeting. And this mountain lady or, or mountain guy stood up and gave a prophetic word. God ain't going to do nary thing. It's going to be over yander and talking like a mountain person. And his organist said afterwards, Brother Hall, I just can't believe that was God. Surely God wouldn't murder the king's English like that. And Brother Hall says, you know what? God speaks through us. And if it's y'all's and yours's, if it's bad, God's going to speak through you. And it's going to sound like you. 
So don't discount the voice of the Lord coming to you as a friend. And don't discount some people who come to you with the word of the Lord that maybe you least expected would have the word for you. Hey, it's such an honor to have you join us for service. I pray the word was a blessing to you. And I pray you avail yourselves to the, to, to the resources we have online. And if you're ever in the Elizabeth City area, or I mean Outer Banks or Tidewater, Virginia, make the drive. Come visit us one Sunday. We would love to welcome you here and you could experience this uh, yourself. As, as one man used to say, can't be explained, can only be experienced. There's some truth into that. Anyhow, thank you for watching. I pray the Lord will bless you and that you grow in your faith and fulfill the call that God has on your life. We here at Fountain of Life love you.